Life is complex. Join us for the simple gifts of wisdom, love, and delight in the written word. Plato's Dialogue, Gorgias, Part 3 Socrates and Gorgias are about to launch into a new phase of the discussion, and Gorgias poses a question to Socrates and the audience. Perhaps, Socrates, we ought to consider the audience, for, before you came, I had already given a long exhibition, and if we proceed, the argument may run on to a great length, and therefore, I think that we should consider whether we may not be detaining some part of the company when they are wanting to do something else. You hear the audience cheering, Gorgias and Socrates, interjected Chirophon, which shows their desire to listen to you, and for myself, Heaven forbid that I should have any business on hand which would take me away from a discussion so interesting and so ably maintained. By the gods, Chirophon, says Callicles, although I have been present at many discussions, I doubt whether I was ever so much delighted before, and therefore, if you go on discoursing all day, I shall be the better pleased. I may truly say, Callicles, that I am willing, if Gorgias is, said Socrates, after all this, Socrates, I should be disgraced if I refused, especially as I have promised to answer all comers. In accordance with the wishes of the company, then, do you begin, and ask me any question which you like. Let me tell you, then, Gorgias, what surprises me in your words, though I dare say that you may be right, and I may have misunderstood your meaning. You say that you can make any man who will learn of you a rhetorician? Yes. Do you mean that you will teach him to gain the ears of the multitude on any subject, and this not by instruction, but by persuasion? Quite so. You were saying, in fact, that the rhetorician will have greater powers of persuasion than the physician, even in a matter of health? Yes, with the multitude, that is. You mean to say, with the ignorant. For those who know, he cannot be supposed to have greater powers of persuasion. Very true. But if he is to have more power of persuasion than the physician, he will have greater power than he who knows? Certainly. Although he is not a physician, is he? No. And he who is not a physician must obviously be ignorant of what the physician knows. Clearly. Then, when the rhetorician is more persuasive than the physician, the ignorant is more persuasive with the ignorant than he who has knowledge? Is not that the inference? In the case supposed, yes. And the same holds of the relation of rhetoric to all other arts. The rhetorician need not know the truth about things. He has only to discover some way of persuading the ignorant that he has more knowledge than those who know. Yes, Socrates. And is not this a great comfort? Not to have learned the other arts, but the art of rhetoric only, and yet to be in no way inferior to the professors of them. Whether the rhetorician is or not inferior on this account is a question which we will hereafter examine, if the enquiry is likely to be of any service to us. But I would rather begin by asking whether he is or is not as ignorant of the just and unjust, base and honorable, good and evil, as he is of medicine and the other arts. I mean to say, does he really know anything of what is good and evil, 
base or honorable, just or unjust in them? Or has he only a way with the ignorant of persuading them that he, not knowing, is to be esteemed to know more about these things than someone else who knows? Or must the pupil know these things and come to you knowing them before he can acquire the art of rhetoric? If he is ignorant, you who are the teacher of rhetoric will not teach him. It is not your business. But you will make him seem to the multitude to know them when he does not know them and seem to be a good man when he is not? Or will you be unable to teach him rhetoric at all, unless he knows the truth of these things first? What is to be said about all this? By heavens, Gorgias, I wish that you would reveal to me the power of rhetoric, as you were saying that you would. Well, Socrates, I suppose that if the pupil does chance not to know them, he will have to learn of me these things as well. Say no more, for there you are right, and so he whom you make a rhetorician must either know the nature of the just and unjust already, or he must be taught by you. Certainly. Well, and is not he who has learned carpentering a carpenter? Yes. And he who has learned music a musician? Yes. And he who has learned medicine is a physician? In like manner, he who has learned anything, whatever, is that which his knowledge makes him. Certainly. And in the same way, he who has learned what is just is just? To be sure. And he who is just may be supposed to do what is just? Yes. And must not the just man always desire to do what is just? That is clearly the inference. Surely, then, the just man will never consent to do injustice? Certainly not. And according to the argument, the rhetorician must be a just man? Yes. And will, therefore, never be willing to do injustice? Clearly not. But do you remember saying just now that the trainer is not to be accused or banished if the pugilist makes a wrong use of his pugilistic art? And in like manner, if the rhetorician makes a bad and unjust use of his rhetoric, that is not to be laid to the charge of his teacher, who is not to be banished, but the wrongdoer himself, who made a bad use of his rhetoric. He is to be banished. Was not that said? Yes, it was. But now we are affirming that the aforesaid rhetorician will never have done injustice at all? True. And at the very outset, Gorgias, it was said that rhetoric treated of discourse, not, like arithmetic, about odd and even, but about just and unjust. Was not this said? Yes. I was thinking at the time, when I heard you saying so, that rhetoric, which is always discoursing about justice, could not possibly be an unjust thing. But when you added, shortly afterwards, that the rhetorician might make a bad use of rhetoric, I noted with surprise the inconsistency into which you had fallen. And I said that if you thought as I did, that there was a gain in being refuted, there would be an advantage in going on with the question. But if not, I would leave off. And in the course of our investigations, as you will see yourself, the rhetorician has been acknowledged to be incapable of making an unjust use of rhetoric, or of willingness to do injustice. By the dog, Gorgias. 
there will be a great deal of discussion before we get at the truth of all this. And do even you, Socrates, broke in Polus, seriously believe what you are now saying about rhetoric? What? Because Gorgias was ashamed to deny that the rhetorician knew the just and the honorable and the good, and admitted that to anyone who came to him ignorant of them, he could teach them? And then out of this admission, there arose a contradiction, the thing which you dearly love, and to which not he, but you brought the argument by your captious questions. Do you seriously believe that there is any truth in all this? For will anyone ever acknowledge that he does not know or cannot teach the nature of justice? The truth is that there is a great want of manners in bringing the argument to such a pass. Illustrious Polis, responded Socrates, the reason why we provide ourselves with friends and children is that when we get old and stumble, a younger generation may be at hand to set us on our legs again, in our words and in our actions. And now, if I and Gorgias are stumbling, here are you who should raise us up, and I, for my part, engage to retract any error into which you may think I have fallen, upon one condition. What condition? That you contract, Polis, the prolixity of speech in which you indulged at first. What? Do you mean that I may not use as many words as I please? Only to think, my friend, that having come on a visit to Athens, which is the most free-spoken state in Hellas, you, when you got there, and you alone, should be deprived of the power of speech. That would be hard indeed. But then consider my case. Shall not I be very hardly used if, when you are making a long oration, and refusing to answer what you are asked, I am compelled to stay and listen to you, and may not go away? I say rather, if you have a real interest in the argument, or, to repeat my former expression, have any desire to set it on its legs, take back any statement which you please, and, in your turn, ask and answer, like myself and Gorgias, refute and be refuted. For I suppose that you would claim to know what Gorgias knows, would you not? Yes, and you, like him, invite anyone to ask you about anything which he pleases, and you will know how to answer him. To be sure. And now, which will you do? Ask or answer? I will ask. And do you answer me, Socrates, the same question which Gorgias, as you suppose, is unable to answer? What is rhetoric? Do you mean what sort of an art? Yes. To say the truth, Polis, it is not an art at all, in my opinion. Then what, in your opinion, is rhetoric? A thing which, as I was lately reading in a book of yours, you say that you have made an art. What thing? I should say a sort of experience. Does rhetoric seem to you to be an experience? That is my view, but you may be of another mind. An experience in what? An experience in producing a sort of delight and gratification. And if able to gratify others, must not rhetoric be a fine thing? What are you saying, Polis? 
Why do you ask me whether rhetoric is a fine thing or not, when I have not as yet told you what rhetoric is? Did I not hear you say that rhetoric was a sort of experience? Will you, who are so desirous to gratify others, afford a slight gratification to me? I will. Will you ask me what sort of an art is cookery? <laughs> what sort of an art is cookery? Not an art at all, Polis. What then? I should say an experience. In what? I wish that you would explain to me. An experience in producing a sort of delight and gratification, Polis. Then are cookery and rhetoric the same? No, they're only different parts of the same profession. Of what profession? I am afraid that the truth may seem discourteous, and I hesitate to answer, lest Gorgias should imagine that I am making fun of his own profession. For whether or not this is that art of rhetoric which Gorgias practices, I really cannot tell. From what he was just now saying, nothing appeared of what he thought of his art. But the rhetoric which I mean is a part of a not very creditable whole. A part of what, Socrates? asked Gorgias. Say what you mean, and never mind me. In my opinion, then, Gorgias, the whole of which rhetoric is a part is not an art at all, but the habit of a bold and ready wit, which knows how to manage mankind. This habit I sum up under the word flattery. And it appears to me to have many other parts, one of which is cookery, which may seem to be an art, but, as I maintain, is only an experience or routine, and not an art. Another part is rhetoric, and the art of attiring and sophistry are two others. Thus there are four branches, and four different things answering to them, and Polis may ask if he likes for he has not as yet been informed, what part of flattery is rhetoric? He did not see that I had not yet answered him when he proceeded to ask a further question, whether I do not think rhetoric a fine thing. But I shall not tell him whether rhetoric is a fine thing or not, until I have first answered, what is rhetoric? For that would not be right, Polis. But I shall be happy to answer, if you will ask me. What part of flattery is rhetoric? I will ask, and do you answer? What part of flattery is rhetoric? Will you understand my answer? Rhetoric, according to my view, is the ghost or counterfeit of a part of politics. And noble or ignoble? Ignoble, I should say, if I am compelled to answer. For I call what is bad ignoble though I doubt whether you understand what I was saying before. Indeed, Socrates, interjected Gorgias, I cannot say that I understand myself. I do not wonder, Gorgias, for I have not as yet explained myself, and our friend Polis, colt by name and colt by nature, is apt to run away. Never mind him, but explain to me what you mean by saying that rhetoric is the counterfeit of a part of politics. I will try, then, to explain my notion of rhetoric, and if I am mistaken, my friend Polis shall refute me. Tis the gift to be simple, 
Tis the gift to be free. Tis the gift to come down where we ought to be. And when we find ourselves in the place just right, twill be in the valley of love and delight. When true simplicity is gained, to bow and to bend, we will not be ashamed. To turn, turn, will be our delight, till by turning, turning, we come round right.